Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know that we'd love to pray with you. You can give us a call or go online. Also, it's a great way to keep in touch with us. In part three of Stand, we're learning about the authority in Jesus' name. Most Christians tend to have faith in Jesus, wishing Jesus walked the earth today so that people can be healed or delivered. But we have the same authority that Jesus had by using his name. In today's message, we will find out how to use the authority in the name. We're going to continue a series of messages that we're doing on secrets to effective spiritual warfare. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, a lot of times people think we're talking about strange and funny things. It is extremely, extremely practical. Uh, Jesus said this. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, you, you can't be all milk toast and wimpy and get what God wants for you. Because the Bible says you've got to take it by force. Now, of course, in another occasion, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, because your Father desires to give you the kingdom. So is it being given, or do you take it by force? And the answer is yes. All right? Because God's giving, but there is an enemy that is standing in the way. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So we need to realize that all that God wants for you is not just going to fall on you like ripe cherries off from a tree. There, God is giving, but there is an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Bible says that if we are going to have what God wants for us, we need to step in there and we need to take it by force. Right? Another gospel says it this way. In the, it says that those, those are pressing in and taking it. Right? So you've got to press in. Again, you can't just be passive, can't be milk toast and have what God wants you to have. Now, whenever we talk about spiritual warfare, we're tethered to Ephesians 6, verse 12, which says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, unfortunately, that is all the farther that most people read the verse. And they said, that's it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. They, they, they pick up the remote control, some Doritos, Dr. Pepper, a little bit of Moose Tracks ice cream, sit on the sofa, and we wrestle not. Yeah. But that is not what it's saying at all. It's just, it's just saying if we're wrestling against people, our energy is misdirected. Right? Because we do wrestle, but not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places now notice it's against 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 and literally there are some of you 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 feel it even today there is something that is coming against your family against your business against your health against your finances your children your peace your sound mind. Yeah, there is something that, that is, it's coming against. You can feel that pressure. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It is your adversary, the devil, coming about seeking to devour, right? And we need to stand against. Now, the Bible says, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the last time the devil fled from you, is the last time that you resisted him. 
And unfortunately, so many of us live our lives as if the devil does not even exist. When is the last time that you said, devil, I resist you in Jesus' name? Devil, you cannot do that in Jesus' name. Devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. It's written, devil, you have to go in Jesus' name. When is the last time you resisted? Because according to God's word, that is the last time that he fled from you. It's in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 7 where it talks about weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Now, if you're in the spiritual battle, we need to know what are our weapons in the spiritual battle, right? So we're going to be talking about those weapons in the next few weeks. How is it that you and I resist? How do we obtain victory or how do we demonstrate the victory that we have been given? Right? Now, I want to ask a question and I want everybody to answer in your mind. All right, you don't need to say anything out loud, but answer in your mind. Jesus, well, let me say it this way. What is the commandment that we have as New Testament believers? What's the commandment? Just think about that. In, in most Christians would answer to love one another. Now, if that was your answer, kind of go like this. How many you didn't answer at all? You got any boating? What's the deal? Because a lot of us, that's what I, you know, the Jesus commandment, love one another. Well, if that is your answer, you have failed the test. Because that's right, but it's only half of the answer. 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So the commandment we have been given has two parts. One part everybody seems to know about, love one another. But the other part of the commandment is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Not to believe in Jesus, but to believe in the name. Because there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and believing in the name of Jesus. Let's jump ahead a little bit over here to John chapter 16. Jesus said this, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until you've asked, now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So he's saying up until now, Prayer has been done one way. He said, but from now on, I want you to pray in a different way. Up until then, when people prayed, they prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now Jesus said, I want to make a difference in what you're going to do. From now on, when you pray, he said, do it in my name. And Jesus' name is the key. It's the key to the kingdom. In the same way, it brings that, 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 that regular key opens a door. This opens a door into God's presence. This opens a door for answered prayer. This opens a door for authority over the enemy. Jesus said, if you abide in me, in my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. Now, there's a lot that could be said here, but I just want to point out two things. 
First one, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So what he's saying here is this. He's saying that you cannot ask for some crazy thing. You're going to ask for what's promised you in the word of God. What God says belongs to you as a believer. Remember, even in the Old Testament, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All right? There are benefits to being a believer. All right? In those you find in the word. So Jesus is saying, You abide in me, my word abides in you. You'll ask whatsoever you will, and it will be done for you. For you. Now, a lot of times what we want to do is push something off on somebody else. But Jesus is saying, this will work for you. When you are going to God and you personally are asking something for you. Now, when somebody else is involved, then their will becomes involved. Right? They, they have a free will. They have a desire. They have choices. They can be in unbelief and it can affect your prayer. But he's saying for you, you ask. And it will be done for you. It's in Ecclesiastes 8 and 8. It says that no one has authority over the spirit right, to control the spirit. In other words, you don't have dominion over somebody else. So when Jesus was here, he met his disciples' needs during the time that he was with them. But he's telling them, I'm going to leave. And then when I'm gone, he said, my name. He said, the name of Jesus will take the place of of Jesus. So when you're using his name, it's the same as if Jesus himself is there in making that request. That's why the Bible tells us we need to have faith in the name of Jesus. Now, here's what Christians say. Oh, if Jesus would just appear, if Jesus would just show up, if, if, G if we just had the presence of Jesus here, oh, if I could have just been with Jesus in Galilee, we got faith in Jesus, but not faith in his name. But the Bible tells us God's commandment is to have faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. I think it's interesting that most Christians are running after signs. But the Bible says if you believe in his name, there's going to be signs that are going to follow you. You shouldn't be following signs. Signs should be following you. And the first thing Jesus mentioned, if you believe in his name, he said, you will cast out demons. When Jesus arose from the dead, he said to his disciples, all authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore. Now he's saying, I'm giving my authority to you. You remember Adam, the first man, he lost that authority in the garden. Jesus, the last Adam, got it back at the, on the cross. And the first thing he does when he arose from the dead is give it back. Now, there's a difference between power and authority. Power is something that can be felt. Right? If you're, let's just say we've got a semi-truck coming here at 65 miles an hour, weighs 50,000 50, pounds. Right? It's coming at 65 miles an hour. How many know there's a lot of power right there? Right? You get a 110-pound policewoman, blue uniform, badge. She stands in the road in front of that truck coming, and she just goes like this. She didn't even look. She just sticks her hands up. And then she says to somebody else, you know, cross the road, go ahead. Now, just because she put her hand up, that truck is going to go, 
that screeched to assault. Huh? What she had was not power. Physically, she could not stop that truck. But she had authority. And her authority stopped that truck. Because if, she, if, if that truck violated her authority, all the power of government would be after that truck and bring that truck to justice. And what Jesus has given to the church is he has given the church authority in his name. Right? And we need to believe in the name. Believe that you have authority because you have the name. When you use the name of Jesus, it's the same as if Jesus himself were standing there and making that request. Philippians 2, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now notice Jesus' name has authority. There's no match in three worlds, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That's where the demonic realm, in heaven, earth, and the demonic realm, there is no name like the name of Jesus. It is above every name. And what we are to do as believers is we are to enforce Satan's defeat. Enforce your rights as being part of the kingdom of God. In Colossians 2 verse 13, he, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Barclay said he rescued us from the grip of the power of darkness. And you might feel that way. You might feel like there is something that's got a grip on you and it's holding you. And it's keeping you in bondage. It's not letting you free. It's not letting you have the peace and the righteousness and the peace and the joy that you should have. Something's gripped you, right? Well, the Bible says that grip is illegal. It's an illegal grip. And what you need to do is use authority that Jesus has given you and demand your freedom. Jordan says it was the Father who sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness. I like that. My favorite. For he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, the, 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 the church for the first 30 years after Jesus arose from the dead was 100% Jewish for 30 years. And they taught only two things for 30 years. Can you imagine going to church and only hearing two things for 30 years? Right? They taught two things. They taught the name of Jesus and they taught the kingdom of God. The name of Jesus, the kingdom of God. Now, the, the truth is, the kingdom of God is all Jesus ever taught. Every time he got up, he talked about the kingdom. Right? He talked how to live in the kingdom. In fact, his first message was this. Repent or rethink your life because God's kingdom is here. The kingdom's here. So two things, the name of Jesus the kingdom of God. Acts 4.12. For there is salvation in no other, nor is there any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.30. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Acts 3. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Acts 4.10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, but that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Why? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Acts chapter 8, and when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Here it is, 30 years into the church. And what's he preaching? The name of Jesus, kingdom of God. Name of Jesus, kingdom of God. Now, in fact, when Jesus arose from the dead in Acts chapter 1, it says being assembled together with them, right? He, he's talking with them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's what he talked to them about, about the kingdom. Now, most of us as Christians have a very, very poor or skewer view of what the kingdom of God is. We think the kingdom of God is, I pray, I receive Jesus, my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. Right? That's what we think the kingdom of God is. Uh, let me just say that what you believe about all those things are true, that you, just, that you believe, but that is not the kingdom. Right? That is not the kingdom that your sins are forgiven, that you're going to heaven. Right? Is that true? Yes, it's true. But that is not the kingdom. Remember Jesus' first message. Repent, rethink your life. God's kingdom is here. And then he went on and he said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Right? So the, the kingdom of God comes in three, three phases, three stages. Right? The first stage is the stage that we're in right now, all right? and that's where the kingdom of God is within you all right? and is to be manifest in the church. All right? we, we call it the church age. All right? But that's the, that, that is the first stage of the kingdom of God. But again, we get back to Acts chapter 1, and the, here, Jesus is talking to them about the kingdom of God, and this is what the disciples said. At this time... Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, I'm never going to do that. That's not what he said. That's what he said. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, he's saying, it's going to happen, but it's not for you to know the exact time that the second stage of the kingdom is going to come. Right. Now, if we go back all the way to Genesis chapter 12, how many of you know you always got to go back to the beginning? You always got to go back there. Genesis 12, verse 2, God speaking to Abraham. And this is what he said to Abraham. He said, I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you. You know, and when we read that, we read great, a great nation, Israel. Yep, over there, right there, Mediterranean Sea. You know, right next to Egypt and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon. And yeah, yeah that's it. Right there, great nation. But we, we miss it, right? Because the word great there, it means premier, superior, and above all others. Right? Now, when Jesus comes back, I want to ask you a question. Where is he going to come to? Missouri? Grand Rapids. He's coming back to Israel specifically to 
Jerusalem, and he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Remember when he was crucified, what it said above his head? King of the, the Jews. Right? That is what he is coming back to do. He is coming back to rule and reign as the king of Israel. Now, when the angel first appeared uh, to, to Mary, he said, he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob or Israel forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. All right. He's going to be on the throne of his father, who? David. David was king of Israel. Right. Now, Jesus is coming back. And he is going to establish a kingdom on this earth for 1,000 years. And he is going to rule and reign from Israel. And Israel, not the United States, not China, not Russia, not Germany, will be the premier nation on the face of the earth. Absolutely the premier nation. All right. Now, you say, how long is that going to last? Let me just give you a real, real quick here. Seven times in six verses in Revelation chapter 20. All right. Talking number one, it says, the devil will be bound a thousand years. All right. And then it says, not till the thousand years were finished. Then the saints will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Then it says, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead didn't live again until the thousand years were finished. And shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years have expired. How many get the picture how long it's going to be? It's going to be a thousand years. All right. One thousand years. Seven times in just six verses. But after that comes the eternal kingdom. And that's the one that most of us have been thinking about. We kind of miss that middle kingdom, right? We miss it. Remember, many of the Jewish people missed Jesus the first time because they were looking for the second kingdom, the second phase, right? They weren't looking for a suffering servant. They were looking for a ruling, reigning king, right? And, of course, you know in, in Psalms 110, it talks about Jesus' return. And it says he will fill the place with dead bodies and he will execute the heads of many nations. When Jesus comes back, he will rule with a rod of iron. Right? He will be king of kings, lord of lords. Right? But at the end of that thousand years, Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God's with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now, most of us, when we think about heaven, we think about floating on clouds. We think about wearing sheets, playing harps, naked baby angels with flying around with little bows and arrows, right? All of that, there's none of that. None. Not a bit, right? Now, this is what it says here. It says that what makes heaven heaven, the new Jerusalem, comes down from where it is, and it comes to a brand new earth that God has recreated, and that 
is where you will spend eternity. You will not float on any clouds or wear any harps. No sheets. My goodness, we haven't been living for God for all these years so we can cross-dress. My goodness. <laughs> you got to be kidding. We got this crazy idea. Now, now, now. The Apostle Paul said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the imagination of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, I've had people think, hey, heaven, who wants to go is boring. Are you kidding? The, God, God says nobody's even heard, nobody can even imagine the great things that God has prepared. And I was thinking about it this week. You know, we have, in, in, in the Milky Way galaxy, we have hundreds of millions, billions of stars. And then they tell us there's hundreds of billions of galaxies, like our galaxy, all right? I know, you know what, I don't think God made it just for a view. I think in part of eternity, we're going to be going out there. We're going to be seeing the awesome things that God has created. He says, we can't even imagine the great things that God has prepared for those that love him, right? Part of the eternal kingdom. He'll sit on the throne of his father, David, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. It is forever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus said when he arose, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore. He is giving the church that authority in his name. Right? Corporately, we worship, we pray, we bind the devil. And it says this in Ephesians 1. It says that that name, it's above every name. It's a, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. Authority in heaven, authority on earth, authority under the earth. If you've been watching today and you realize in your heart there's this tug, God is pulling on your heart, but you know I'm not right with God, I don't know where I stand with God, I'm away from God, and you'd say, I want forgiveness, I want to be right with God, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I want to invite you to bow your head and to pray this prayer. Make these words your own, just say this from your heart, just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that you forgive me, that you make me a new person on the inside, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his free book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to our website to request a copy be mailed to you or download it. Either way, it's absolutely free. When you check out walkingbyfaith.tv, you can also purchase a copy of today's message, Authority in the Name, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give and click on the giving option that's right for you. Get out there and practice your authority in the name. See you next time. Life gets busy, so having everything in one place is a big help. That's why we created the Walking by Faith app. 
bringing the ability to watch weekly programs, read devotionals, take notes, and give to your favorite mobile device. And with the added feature of offline listening, you can now take Walking by Faith with you wherever you go. The new Walking by Faith app.